Hello, and welcome to the February 23rd episode of Investing Beyond Borders, a podcast from Miranda Law Firm that brings you regular insight on investment opportunities and legal and regulatory updates from throughout the Miranda Alliance world. This week, we bring you news on oil and gas sector investment in Angola, Gabon, and Senegal, solar power generation in Cape Verde, green hydrogen projects in Portugal, energy transition in Mozambique, and other major developments in our jurisdictions. Sit back, relax, and enjoy investing beyond borders. Teresa, over to you. We start this week's episode with news that the Africa Finance Corporation, the continent's leading instrumental infrastructure solutions provider, is investing one billion US dollars in Africa's mining industry through several strategic partnerships that aim to open up new markets, promote a greener economy, and contribute to the overall development of African countries. These partnerships include one with Jekamin, the largest mining company in the Democratic Republic of Congo, among others in Sierra Leone, Nigeria and Botswana. A climate analytics report shows that investment in renewable energy in sub-Saharan Africa needs to increase fivefold to $100 billion a year to meet the target of 11,500 gigawatts of clean energy by 2030. The report analyzes the global situation following the agreements made by governments at COP28 last December and points out that much more needs to be done to mobilize an expansion of electricity grid and mobilize renewables in less wealthy countries with a special focus on Africa. In Angola, a 16% surge in drilling activity is anticipated in 2024, with plans to spot 43 wells, a six-well increase from 2023, when 37 wells were drilled. Exploration is expected to take off with the results of the most recent bid round, a 12-block tender for the Lower Congo and Kwanza on- onshore basins, announced last month. Meanwhile, projections show investments totaling up to 71 billion US dollars in the country's oil sector over the next five years, which don't include investment in incremental production. Angola's state-owned regulator, the National Oil, Gas and Biofuels Agency, revealed a 50 billion US dollars investment in the last five years, with capital expenditure between 2022 and 2023 witnessing a 96% increase. The European Parliament approved a Sustainable Investment Facilitation Agreement between the European Union and Angola, the first agreement of its kind negotiated by the Union. The agreement aims not only to help Angola diversify its economic model, currently based on raw materials and energy resources, but also to strengthen sustainable trade and investment relationships between the EU and African countries. The EU pointed out that this agreement differs from conventional investment agreements since its aim is not the liberalization of investments but a commitment to cooperation for sustainable economic development. The agreement includes measures to increase transparency, improve investment regulations and simplify authorization procedures in Angola, and it establishes a dialogue with civil society. It also aims to promote responsible business practices and the implementation of international agreements on labor and the environment. 
such as the Paris Agreement. While in Angola, a European Union delegation also announced four new financing agreements in the blue economy, justice and the rule of law, solid waste management and civil society capacity building. The EU representation states that the new cooperation actions fall within the scope of the blue economy, which will be financed in 90 million euros by the multi-annual indicative program for Angola 2021-2027. The EU also held its first partnership dialogue with Timor-Leste in Dili in the aftermath of the signature of the Samoa Agreement last November. Focusing on climate change, trade and democratic values, the meetings set the stage for stronger ties between Timor-Leste and the EU, leading to collaboration on several global challenges. At the heart of the meeting was Timor-Leste's bid for accession and integration into the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, a move that the EU fully supports. More than a meeting, this event showcased both parties' shared ambition and mutual respect, underscoring the importance of international cooperation in addressing global challenges from climate change to economic development and setting a precedent for future agreements and setting a precedent for future engagements. The balance of Timor-Leste's petroleum fund increased in the last quarter of 2023 to 18.2 billion US dollars compared to the previous quarter when it held 17.5 billion reveals a report by the Central Bank of Timor-Leste. According to the Central Bank's Petroleum Fund Management Department, gross capital inflows amounted to 16.337 million. The fund's investment income was 1.18 billion, of which $123 million corresponded to dividends and interest, 877.23 to market value movements and 17.77 to exchange rate movements. Outflows in recent months amounted to $302.64 million, of which $300 million were transferred to the general state budget and the remaining $2.64 million were used to cover operational management costs. In Cape Verde, the island of Sal is at the forefront of voltaic solar energy production with the commissioning of the new 5-megawatt solar park tripling the nominal installed capacity on the island from 2.5 to 7.5 megawatts. This project will save 2,500 tons of fuel a year, the equivalent of 270,000 Cape Verdean Schkuds in fuel, representing significant savings on the country's energy bills while avoiding the emission of 9,194 tons of CO2 into the atmosphere. The work began at the end of last year and the park should be inaugurated in June this year. Cape Verde launched the privatization process of the country's public airport handling company, CV Handling. The privatization process will take place through restricted tender, with prior qualification for the selection of strategic partner with proven financial capacity, know-how and experience in this sector of activity for the acquisition of up to 51% of the shares. With the privatization of CV Handling, the Cape Verdean government wants to boost the development of the country's air hub. By 2026, the traffic expected to reach around 1.7 million passengers and 20,400 aircraft landing at national airports, representing growth of around 74% and 83%, respectively, compared to 2023. Within the scope of the country's current privatization plan, 
which includes key sectors of Cape Verde's economy, Cape Verde's Deputy Prime Minister highlighted the long-standing relationship with Portugal and reaffirmed the government's interest in having the European country take part in the privatization process of state-owned companies. According to the member of the executive, the government is finalizing the tenders and as soon as everything is concluded, the companies will be launched one by one and Portuguese companies will be invited to participate. Portugal is joining a new 6.9 billion euro European renewable hydrogen project. The Common Interests project announced by the European Union will focus on the hydrogen value chain, in particular the necessary infrastructure, in order to give a boost to the supply of renewable hydrogen, reducing dependence on natural gas and helping to achieve the European objectives under the European Green Deal and the Repower EU package. With a collective investment of almost 7 billion euros, Portugal is one of the seven member states involved in the Haichu Infra project alongside France, Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Poland and Slovakia. Portugal will be represented by fusion fuel and wind power and like other countries has included participation in the Haichu Infra in its recovery and resilience plan. The various projects are expected to be implemented in the short term and should be completed by 2029. REN, Redes Energéticas Nacionais, Portugal's national electricity grid company, is issuing 300 million euros in green bonds with an eight-year maturity. The operation will be led by JP Morgan with Barclays, Caixa BI, Inc., Mediobank, Millennium BCP and Santander as joint runners. It should be noted that REN went to the debt market for the first time in April 2021 in an operation that exceeded the offer by five times. Equatorial Guinea and the community of Portuguese-speaking countries are entering a new stage of cooperation with the signature of cooperation protocols in Lisbon. The protocols are aimed at diversifying the Equato-Guinean economy and boosting strategic sectors, including mining and natural resources, telecommunications and tourism. Besides strengthening its relationships with the CPLP, Equatorial Guinea is also joining the African Export Development Fund, a mechanism of the African Export-Import Bank, to finance the infrastructure needed to increase sales outside of Africa. According to the president of the bank, The signing of the African Export Development Fund Establishment Agreement cements the path towards greater and more effective cooperation, with easier access to a panoply of interventions offered by the African Export-Import Bank Development Fund, and follows on from the solid partnership that has been established with Equatorial Guinea, with the aim of supporting transformative investments in the country in the near future. Cameroon's national mining company has announced that the country's long-awaited gold refinery could be launched this year. Sanamin's further stated that the architectural studies are almost complete and that the project is waiting for a few technical documents and administrative authorizations to be finalized. Once operational, the refinery should have enabled Cameroon to process the gold extracted from its subsoil, thereby creating a strategic gold reserve. Côte d'Ivoire and the International Monetary Fund have reached a staff-level agreement on a package of reform measures for 2024-26, worth 1.3 billion US dollars, in line with the Resilience and Sustainability Facility Program objectives. 
the RSF program, will aim to improve resilience to climate change by implementing a set of ambitious reform measures to address the identified challenges, which are the integration of climate into public financial management, strengthening the governance of climate policies, reducing exposure and vulnerability of the agriculture sector, increasing green and sustainable financing, reducing vulnerability of flooding and coastal erosion, and reducing greenhouse gas emissions. The Gabonese head of state unveiled the purchase by the Gabonese state of Carlyle's subsidiary Asale Energy after using its right to preempt the sale of the business for 1.3 billion to friends Morel and Prom. This acquisition, representing a passive investment of 1,157 billion FCFAs, opens up new prospects for the Gabon as an oil producer. Its historic step marks the beginning of a major initiative to regain control of the country's natural resources. The aim is to strengthen the supervision of production and the revenues generated, which will be the responsibility of the Gabonese state. The prospect of the of synergy between Asali Energy and Gabon oil companies particularly promising, with production estimated at 50,000 barrels a day at an average price $78 a barrel, potential revenues could reach nearly $4 million a day or $1.5 billion a year of around CFAF $913 billion. In just two years, Gabon could recoup its initial investment in Asala, paving the way for substantial long-term benefits. The acquisition also has significant implication for Gabon state finances, with around 1,000 billion FCFA in additional revenues expected each year. Meanwhile, Mozambique is planning to achieve universal access to energy by 2030. With this goal in mind, the government had recently approved an energy transition strategy in which it commits to implementing measures that include the expansion of electricity infrastructure and the adoption of off-grid solutions. Mozambique is also looking to become one of Africa's biggest hydropower producers and launch a green hydrogen industry. According to the government's energy transition strategy, the government plans to add 14,000 megawatts of hydroelectric capacity, with the bulk to be developed between 2030 and 2040. The program also foresees the establishment of a hydrogen program this year. The government acknowledged the vastness of energy assets and recognized that the strategic use of these assets could accelerate the transition of the middle-income industrialized economy at the heart of the energy transition plan, which is estimated at 80 billion US dollars by 2050, is the Zambezi River where the country already operates the Kaorabasa power plant. A group led by Total Energies SE and Japan's Sumisoto Corp is also building the Mafamba Nukwa Dam on the Zambezi River. In the decade of 2040, Mozambique aims to add 9,000 megawatts of hydropower by attracting investment into plants, similar to the model it, it has followed by the Mafanza Nukwa. Although exports want to be completely halted, the aim will be for Mozambique to use as much of its own resources to drive development and electrification. Mozambique and the International Finance Corporation mapped out private sector development strategies for the African country at a meeting between the Minister of Economy and Finance and the IFC's Vice President for Africa and the Middle East. The discussions come as Mozambique's business environment enhanced reforms under the Economic Acceleration Package, gain traction, 
while improving the landscape for private sector growth. The two leaders recognized the alignment in strategic priorities to unlock the country's economic potential by increasing private investment and outline the strategies for greater IFC involvement in financing small and medium enterprise, agriculture, trade, renewable energy, digital infrastructure and other sectors. The Democratic Republic of Congo is on a mission to harness its untapped mineral wealth, valued at 24 trillion US dollars, by attracting what the country dubbed modern investors. The Director General of the Regulatory Authority of, for Subcontracting in, in the Private Sector articulated the country's vision for the mining industry during the 30th annual mining in Daba in Cape Town, South Africa, underlining the significant returns for investors and how these investments contribute to the country's socio-economic advancement. At the core of the DRC's mineral wealth lies cobalt, a vital component in the production of lithium-ion batteries, essential for electric vehicles and renewable energy storage followed by copper and other minerals such as tantalum, tin, tungsten, gold and diamonds. The government also announced that the project to rehabilitate and modernize the Matadi Kinshasa Railroad requires a budget of 956 million US dollars. The government also pointed out necessary conditions for the successful completion of this revolutionary project for the rail sector in the Democratic Republic of Congo, including the establishment of a project company, concessionaire and operator via a joint venture between Onata SA and Arise IIP, the construction of a container storage site and a key in Kinshasa for transferring containers to and from the Special Economic Zone, as well as the completion of project investments worth 956 million US dollars in three phases. Senegal's first offshore petroleum development achieved a significant milestone with the arrival of the Leopold Sedar Senghor FPSO facility from Singapore. This marks a significant step for Australia's Woodside Energy in reaching first production from Sangamoir Field, which is expected in mid-2024. The arrival of the vessel will now lead to the next phase of the project, commissioning the FPSO and connecting the 23 production gas and water injection wells that make up the Sangomar Field Development Phase 1. It's worth noting that the development includes a standalone FPSO with subsea infrastructure and an expected production capacity of around 100,000 barrels a day. hope you enjoyed this episode of Investing Beyond Borders. We will be back in two weeks' time with more developments in the Miranda Alliance world. Please join us then for more news from the 16 Miranda Alliance jurisdictions. In the meantime, you can drop by our website or LinkedIn page, where you will find more updates on our activity and legal developments of interest to our clients and followers. This podcast was brought to you by Miranda Law Firm and Miranda Alliance. You can find out more about our worldwide activities and assistance to investors at www.moradalawfirm.com. This episode was presented by Teresa Garcia André from our Lisbon office and Luis Miranda from the Houston office. Content was developed exclusively for Miranda by the Miranda Alliance podcast team. Technical support is provided by Hugo Ribeiro from our communications department. All content is subject to copyright and protected by law.